Please be seated. Shana Tova. Last year, when I spoke to you on Erev Rosh Hashanah, I was hopeful. Rather than dwell on the challenges of the past year, I spoke about the theme of resilience, how the human spirit and the Jewish spirit is stronger than we imagine, and that we have the capacity to persevere when times get tough. And now I stand here one year later, and I must confess, I am tired. The early summer reprieve gave us a false sense that we were finished with COVID. And now we gather once again worried about challenges that the coming year will bring, hoping that the Delta flare-up is the virus's dying gasp rather than its next dawning. But tonight, rather than dwell on where we might be going, I want to reflect a little bit on where we have been, and more importantly, what we have learned. When the pandemic first began during those blurry days of crisis, we paused many of our programs and initiatives, including a full re-envisioning of our religious school. There were a lot of reasons why we did this. Parents had no bandwidth, envisioning meetings online lacked intimacy. We couldn't plan for a year that was uncertain to be in person. But perhaps more than anything, we knew that COVID would change everything, and we would step out of this crisis into a world that we could not yet imagine. Before COVID, we had a handle on our community and what it looked like and what it needed. But no one knew how the world would be different when we came out of this pandemic. What would our relationship be to technology? How would we newly define the word community? Where would we fall on the tension between teaching Jewish content or building Jewish identity? Without those answers, we were nervous that we might build a program that no one would want. We might build a program for a future that did not need it. Now, we didn't come to this conclusion on our own. Crisis always necessitates change. In fact, in Hebrew, the word crisis, mashber, is also the word for birthing stool. And like childbirth, every emergency is a turning point as well, birthing new opportunities and new eras. We don't change gradually. Instead, something happens that breaks open the present and new possibilities to the future rush in. We had a feeling early on in COVID that we would emerge to a radically different world. And that inkling has turned out to be correct. Jewish history has shown us time and again that as long as a crisis doesn't break us, it will always birth new possibilities. The destruction, for example, of the Second Temple in Jerusalem gave birth to the rabbinic era, to the Talmud, to Jewish prayer, and to the host of holidays that we celebrate together. The Spanish Inquisition gave birth to a mystical way of viewing God and the universe known as Lurianic Kabbalah, and this actually became the basis for our Friday night services. And times of plague are no different. Jews have lived through their share of epidemics of pandemics, 
Jews were victims of the Italian plague of 1630 and the Prague epidemic of 1713. But perhaps no plague has been more consequential and transformative to the Jewish community than the Black Death in the mid-1300s. Now, there's a mistaken assumption that Jews died at lower rates during the Black Death because of our good hygiene practices. If they did, I got to tell you, the difference was negligible. Everyone lost someone, spouses, siblings, even children. An epitaph still remains for a boy named Asher Ben-Turiel in the Jewish cemetery in Toledo, penned by a heartbroken father, and I'll read a little piece of it. This stone is a memorial that a later generation may know, that underneath it lies a pleasant bud, a cherished child, and the father is left sad and aching. May the God of heaven grant him comfort and send another child to restore his soul. However, the Black Death was a tragedy for as much for the world's reaction to it as it was for what the disease did to the Jewish people. Jews were blamed for the sickness around them. In the years following the plague, Jewish communities were destroyed, towns burned, synagogues sacked. The Jews emerged from the Black Death with their world in ashes. How could that not fundamentally change Judaism? Well, the Judaism we know today can be credited directly with how we dealt with the Black Plague. Before the plague, rabbis and commentators saw their task in a certain way. These commentators, these Jewish thinkers, these legalists, were called Rishonim. And these pre-pandemic thinkers were highly creative. They wrote huge works commenting on the whole of Jewish law, and they felt empowered to make wide-sweeping legal changes. Self-assured, their rulings were more terse, and we know their names. They're people like Rashi and Maimonides, Ibn Ezra and Rabbeinu Tam. These thinkers, however, disappeared after the Black Plague, and the approach that subsequent Jewish scholars took looks absolutely nothing like their predecessors. Today, we live in an era known as the Acherim, the later ones. Rather than the inventiveness of their forebearers, commentators of the past 500 years are more reserved. They make change, but with more humility. Rather than terse and sure of themselves, Acheronim are discursive, and they make sure to cover all their bases, lest someone question one of their points. Rather than commenting directly on the Talmud like their Rishon counterparts, the Acheronim write books on specific topics, be they child-rearing, kashrut, or the laws of Shabbat. Though there's much debate about why this turn from the Rishonim to the Acheronim happened, most scholars think that the Acheronim's current reluctance to innovate, their reliance on precedent, and their attention to detail is a product of watching a world ripped out from under them during the Black Plague. The plague and its brutal aftermath upended everything, including the very lens through which we read Torah and legislate Jewish living. I'm convinced that we are living through a similar time. Thankfully, society doesn't blame Jews for COVID. Yet this doesn't undercut the fact that we are in the midst of a trauma like the Black Death, one that has and will change the very nature of our society. Bertok Brecht, 
A German playwright and a critic of the Nazis during World War II famously wrote, in the dark times will there also be singing. Yes, there will be singing about the dark times. Whether we realize it or not, we have begun to sing a song, a new tune that is forever different than the one before. It is the tale of our current struggles, but it is also the seeds for a song that we will sing when we emerge from this. I've been thinking a lot about how we have changed from COVID. And tonight, even in the midst of the Delta eruption, even as we navigate the still dark present, I want to talk about how we are already different. As a society, we have been transformed. We're going to come out of COVID with a new understanding of who and what in our culture is essential. How many of us before the pandemic thought about those who drove our trucks or stocked our shelves? How many of us realized the danger that healthcare workers take going to work every day? We understand the supply chain in a new way. If we tried to buy a car this year, we likely learned that a delay in a single chip made overseas can cripple a dealership. COVID also taught us how connected we are to one another. As Dr. King famously wrote, we are part of an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. And these connections are global. Borders matter less. Illness on one side of the world will eventually catch up with every corner of the globe. Though it's daunting to think that the world is suddenly smaller, many has found inf in inspiration from newly blurred lines between friend and stranger. We watched as brigades of people spent hours getting vaccine appointments for those that they had never met. And others dropped off food and supplies for elderly neighbors that they barely knew. The pandemic has exposed systematic problems in our society. We have a crisis of childcare in our country. We realize now just how much our society undervalues it, and we are beginning to see that it is actually the engine of our economy. After years of delayed doctor's appointments, we are now realizing that healthcare maintenance is the key to our health. At the same time, we are more keenly aware that those who do not have access to quality healthcare and routine testing are not in the same position as we are. Perhaps the biggest problem that the pandemic has exposed is that our society is divided. Everything is partisan. I used to think that if faced with a great enough challenge, we would come together like our grandparents did during World War II. I now doubt that. We are where we get our news. And the pandemic has only affirmed the famous adage that, quote, a lie can travel halfway around the world while the truth is putting on its shoes. Unlike the above, not every change that will come from the pandemic is good. I mirror our society in that I am more cynical, less optimistic, and less trusting of the general public to do good than I was before COVID. Yet in a way, I am also more sensitive to the needs of others. We all are. We ask if someone would rather gather inside or outside. We show up at one another's homes masked asking if we can remove them, rather than forcing them as hosts to remind us to put the masks on. 
If we do gather, we think about who is not there, and we often use technology to bring them into the room, albeit imperfectly. We are always negotiating between our wants and the needs of others. The pandemic has shifted the calculus, making it more acceptable to ask for what we need and making others more open to hearing it. But perhaps more than these larger lessons, many of us have realized things about ourselves. Earlier this summer, I asked the TNT community the following prompt, quote, what have been the greatest things that you have learned in the past 18 months of COVID? How have you grown? I was blown away by the honesty of all of you. Some of you reflected on our changed society, but most of you spoke in a deeply personal way. Some of you spoke about your newfound relationship to your family. You eat more dinners at home, call your kids more often. Some of you even lived with your adult children and their partners, forging a bond that would not have been there pre-pandemic. Many of you stopped traveling or commuting, and this helped you learn what you truly value and to reprioritize your time. To many, the world feels smaller. You have gone deeper with fewer relationships, and you've learned to want less. We've also become hardier, learning to enjoy an outdoor brunch in 34-degree weather. <laughs> Others of you spoke about being more industrious. You learned that you could problem-solve when tested, getting food when it felt hard, educating your children on Zoom, even printing monogrammed B'nai Mitzvah masks as swag to take home. I heard from one of you that you saw your job loss as a, quote, opportunity, and you pivoted founding a business that you had been meaning to start for half a decade. Still others of you have found a sort of humility amidst COVID. You've learned that you have less power than you think, that you are not in control of your own well-being, and that you lack all the answers. You have explored the bounds of courage, and you have learned in one person's words that, quote, courage can mean staying the course. You've learned to value life, you are more spontaneous and more present. In the words of one of you, quote, the blend of colors were as never before. And you have a more, relation, a more mature relationship to your own mortality. And more to come on that on Kol Nidre. More than anything, the pandemic has helped you clarify your values. As life slowed you down, you no longer had distractions to keep you from working on yourself. You have discovered a piece of who you are that will not be quickly forgotten. So here is my sincere hope. When God willing this is over, don't fight the different world that we live in. Whether it's changes to society or to yourself, you cannot go back. It is futile to try. In the words of Ecclesiastes, it is, quote, the pursuit of wind. I can promise you that we will do the same here at Temple Ner Tamim. We are different now because the world is different now, and Judaism must rise to the challenge. Since we realize just how much we need people, our programming will reflect that. Since so many of us will carry fear for a long time, our care and our outreach will address that. Since many of us have a newfound relationship with technology, our approach to what defines a, quote, congregation or a, quote, classroom 
will change too. Each of us have a choice. We can step into a new world, mourning what was and unable to move forward, or we can embrace the change, letting it carry us into a different future. Every crisis births these two perspectives. But history is shaped not by the nostalgic, not by the sentimental, but by the innovators, the visionaries, the hopeful. We are venturing into a new tomorrow, and how we adapt to our new reality will define us. I do not know what COVID will bring next year or next decade, but I do know that we are up to the challenge. The world will change, and so will we. And we will look at the world with new eyes, singing our new song, ready to build a future that we never dared to imagine. Shana Tova. So, should, we, should we wrap this puppy up? Yeah, with, with some energy. I We're going to wrap 94. it up with a little energy. Everybody shake their bodies out. You look very tired. We're going to continue our, or we're going to complete our tefillah um, today. I don't know what uh, page it's on. Yes, they do. Page 94. Please join us. You'll know it well. And if you don't know it well, you'll know it soon.
Shana Tova. Go elbow each other. <laughs> <laughs> 